This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric Labrie. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. Awesome. Well, here we are, guys. Another Non-Typical Nation podcast. I'm pumped right up. We are days away from hunting season. This might be our last podcast before we kick off the Alberta hunting We're less season. Than, well, seven days from today. Seven days from today. Well, you're heading in soon. You're yeah, heading in quick. I'm going in on Saturday. Yeah, right on. So we can chat about that in this one. And we've got a special guest. We've got Rudy Nunez with Tacticam. We're going to pick his brain on this podcast and dive into some of Tacticam's incredible filming products that they have. We've been playing around with them for a little while. So we had to get Rudy on here to dive deep in that. He's the specialist when it comes to Tacticam. And thanks for coming on with us, Rudy. We appreciate it big time. Yeah, hey guys, uh, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, big thanks to the NTN Nation for welcome, welcoming us um, into your guys' network. Uh, we're really excited to be working with you guys. Love what you've done so far. Um, you know, and what there's nothing you can't say about you know getting some good footage and share it, being able to share it with your friends and your family and that's that's kind of the heart of what we do but we'll dig into that here in just a yeah, minute yeah yeah for sure you know we put the products to the test this springtime with you know our, our bear hunts uh the guys did some turkey hunts in manitoba as well and uh super excited and, and thrilled to put them to use here in the fall and what we're actually going to do if you're watching this podcast right now guys go to our facebook page we're going to upload a tacticam video from this spring so the day this video drops we're also going to upload a tacticam video with one of the bears we filmed through the scope with the tacticam fts system but before we dive into all the gear and everything you guys have to offer let's chat hunting what do you got planned here rudy going forward for the fall hunting season when does your season start i see you got a bow behind you are you a bow hunter rifle hunter What's the game plan? Yeah, so I'm, I'm based out here in Southern Arizona. Um, our headquarters is in Minnesota and those guys chase big deer and big bear um, around every year. But so I'm gonna start my season off with an over-the-counter elk hunt in, um, in Utah actually. So it'll be my first time heading up north to Utah. Every year I got into hunting late. So, and especially elk hunting late, I didn't, I didn't go on my first elk hunt until 2017. And I can tell you guys that the first moment I stepped out in those September woods, it was like, um, you know, I didn't have regret that I didn't do it earlier. I just knew from this point forward, I'm going to do it at least a couple times a year here on out. And um, so archery, uh, my first hunt is going to be an archery elk hunt, but nice. I do it all archery, rifle, uh, you know, shotgun, whatever I can whatever I can get into any, any given year, I'm going to try to do it because hunting season is so short, you know, and we, and we live for it all year long. And then when it finally hits, you know, everybody's like, Oh man, that came quick, but you got to take advantage of it. You know, man, I, I've got the same mindset as you. Um, I'll hold on to that bow during archery season. You know, I'll hold on to it as well as I get into October and whatnot. But once you get into those frigid temperatures, I just love every aspect of hunting, including, you know, pulling that trigger, harvesting that animal, um, retrieving that animal. So I'm not quite the guy that'll hold out and go a whole season without shooting one deer because I wanted to get it with that bow. If I have a chance with the rifle later on, I'm going to do it. And we have some rifle hunts planned just because, you know, bow, rifle, to me, 
I love them both sort of equally. Um, and that's what's wicked about your guys' products is you guys offer a system and an attachment for any weapon that we plan on using, whether that's a crossbow, a rifle, a shotgun, or a bow. Um, Tacticam has the attachments to film um, with your weapon and give that point of view of the hunter. Yeah, I mean, this this right here is our Tacticam 5.0, you know, and, and some of your fans have probably seen it. Some of them haven't, um, but it's a 4K camera. Um, we specifically design it to, to go onto any any shooting or hunting platform. You know, our, our values, our mottos is kind of, it, it's for hunters by hunters. Um, so our founder back eight or nine years ago, he was filming with whatever was available on the market back then and, you know, really wasn't happy with, the mounting systems, the fisheye bubble effect, you know, terrible battery life. Um, so he set out to correct the problem. Here we are years and years later, you know, on our fourth generation camera and the product line has really expanded. We'll have a chance to touch on it, but you can kind of see behind me, you know, I got a, I got a tact cam mounted to my, my shoulder strap on my backpack, right? Get some of that B-roll footage, all that. Um, we have a spotting scope camera, which we'll get a chance to talk about here in a minute. And then I have the bow here, which has the Tacticam 5.0 mounted right on the stabilizer, as well as a 5.0 wide camera pointed back at me, which is really cool for guys that sit in the tree stand. And if you guys produce content, run a YouTube or an Instagram, um, you know, you're always, you're always fumbling with your phone, whatnot. So having that little wide angle camera you know, pointed back at you, gets the reaction, the draw, all that kind of stuff. So really for producers, this system is excellent because not only can you run these in different kind of ways, but you can, you can control up to five Tacticams with one remote control and you hit one button and they all turn on simultaneously, which is really cool to have a camera down by the bait or the water or the game trail or up it up above you in the tree, looking over your shoulder. So, I mean, really the world is your oyster with, um, you know, these systems and, and producing content. Well, and that was one of the features that I thought was super cool with your products, the 5.0, which I've used quite a bit is, you know, I've got it on my bow or wherever, even, um, you know, on my mount and I press one button or one button with the remote and you're recording. You don't have to go through the settings or whatever. You press one button, it's on, it's instantly recording. When you're done recording, you press that button again and recording stops. Um, and one thing that I thought was super cool as well, which I think I'm not too sure if everyone knows because, you know, I got my Tacticam, I turned it on, I filmed it, filmed with it. Um, and then I downloaded the app and I could not believe all of the settings to adjust the quality of video, um, low light, all of that in the app. It's absolutely unreal. I was actually shocked that, uh, there were so many different options to control the different settings of that camera through that app. Yeah. So, I mean, so there's two kinds of people in the world, guys, yeah. people that hate tech and people that love tech, right? And um, your average hunter just wants to keep it simple. You know, if he decides he's going to film, he wants a system that's going to work every time. And it's simple to use, just like you said. But for the guy that, um, you know, the, the actual producers out there, guys that know a little bit about filmography and stuff, the Tacticam 
actually Wi-Fi's to your phone or any smart device. So you can relay a live image. You can go into the settings and um, you know choose your developer settings like various frame rates. So if you understand filmography, you know if you film in different frame rates, it's better for like either smooth action or different light settings. Um, so this camera has it all, anything from 15 frames per second all the way up to 240 frames per second. It's also got digital zoom on board. So our lens system is designed to see kind of, you know, like your, the human eye. So essentially with the 5.0 zoom camera, you don't get any of that fisheye bubble effect where you shoot a turkey at 20 yards, but when you go back to look at the film, it looks like it's a hundred yards away. You know, wide fisheye cameras push that, push that um, image out so they can get that wide range. Um, so, so a turkey at 30 yards looks like a turkey at 30 yards, plus you can add additional zoom to it. Um, so just a couple features that the Tacticam 5.0 has for, for people who do um, not only want to film, but do expect a little bit of performance out of their, out of their cameras. And the, the other thing is you can have the world's best camera, and if it doesn't mount securely to your, to your uh, platform, it doesn't do you any good. You know, I've seen so many YouTube videos where guy has an action cam out at the end of a shotgun, pulls a trigger and it falls into the lake or something. <laughs> you know, that, that happens all the time. So I've lost cameras. So that, that's one of the benefits of it. Um, Scott. Yes. Um, plus they're IP66 weather resistant. You can dunk them in the lake, pull them out. They'll be just fine. You don't got to worry about getting rained on or snowed on. Um, come with image stabilization. So it's a very smart camera. That's for the techie side, but for the guys who don't like tech, I'll put it in very simple terms. Mount this to your bow, press the button. It'll start recording. And that's the last thing you have to think about. Point, shoot, and enjoy your footage later on. It's really that simple. So without hooking the camera up to the app, using it right out of the box, there are three different filming settings though. Is that correct that you can switch through on the camera? And what exactly? Yep, so on our 5.0 camera. Yep. So the, so the, the five, I don't have a battery in this one right now. Shame on me. Um, but the, um, the Tacticam 5.0 records in 4k. So the, the, just the out of the box, turn it on mode is going to be 4k without any zoom. That's going to be perfect to run on your bow, on your shotgun, doesn't matter. And then just so everybody gets like a, um, an example, that's the power button right there. You press it one time. It's going to flash a couple times and it's going to start recording. The user doesn't have to think about anything else. Um, so that's one of the simple features that we have, but the three presets is 4k and then you can actually add the next preset is eight times zoom and that's 2.7k and uh, guys that understand a little bit about, you know, filming and stuff, they, they understand those numbers, but those who don't um, just we're working with really high resolution um, footage. And you can you can kind of toggle between different features, and then the last one is is 240 frames per second, which is for slow motion, if you if you want to do that. But um, yeah, it really so makes it easy filmed... because you can preset. Go ahead. <laughs> so we actually played around with the Spotter LR, and we filmed um, some long distance shots with that unit. But what we did is we set up the Tacticam 5.0 at a water jug that we were shooting at about 250 yards away, set this to slow-mo and we captured that slow motion of that water jug exploding. And, you know, I was thoroughly impressed with how this thing filmed. I actually forgot that it filmed in 240. So our first shot 
We didn't capture it with the Tacticam, but the second one, I'm like, guys, this film's in 240. Let's go run it down range, set it up and capture that. And it worked out really good. And, and anyone watching, you can actually just search up our videos on Facebook and we do the Spotter LR Tacticam review and it's all in there. It was, uh, it, I had a lot of fun and it, it was incredible how well they filmed. Yeah. Well, and, and <clears throat> we've touched on it a few times now, but um, the Spotter LR, we just, we just launched last year. It's about a year old. Um, and what it is, is it's a 4K camera that's specifically designed for spotting scopes. Um, and it allows you, like you said, Brody, to film long range. Um, some people call it digiscoping, but it's perfect for um, preseason hunts, catching, you know, shots on camera. Um, the camera itself is really simple, very lightweight, um, turns on, and it films exactly what you see through your spotting scope. So it uses your spotting scope's magnification. And you can also add up to three three x digital zoom from the camera itself, so you're you're able to really reach out. We got shooting schools that are using these, and they're teaching guys how to shoot guys and gals how to shoot at a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred yards. Um, and it's really it's really they're using it to you know it's a really great tool because you know you can see the wind, the elements, um, get that great kill shot or target shot on film. Um, and it's a really great back, back country tool for a couple of reasons. The reason why I love it so much is because, you know, there are cell phone adapters out there, but my cell phone is a lifeline tool. It's a map app tool. I use it for ballistic apps. So when I'm, when I'm shooting long range, you know, use my range finder, type in the, the, the yardage and the elements, and it'll give me a solution. So I don't want to tie my cell phone up to, um, you know, a, a to a spotting scope and um plus battery and, and memory is always a, is, is an issue so these tacticam batteries they're all interchangeable between all of our products it's easy to burn a battery in a cell phone and once it's burned you better have a charge bank out there with you and you're not going to charge it in 10 minutes with attack with a tacticam spotter lr you just switch that battery out and you're ready to rock again and it takes up to 128 gigabyte micro sd guys so there, there's a ton of footage that you can take with these so these are just little tools that are really going to help you out in the backcountry, help you bird watching, digiscoping, anything you can think of. I mean, put Tacticam to the test because we we build them and design them to be outdoors and, and be rugged. So, yeah, you know, and we've played around with a few other similar products that film through your spotting scope. And what really stood out to us was the fact that you're filming this, you know, you can hook it up to your cell phone and you click record and the, the cell, yes, you're going to use up some of the battery on your cell phone. Like I said, it, it, it's not going to last forever, but you can zoom in on your cell phone, hit record, and you don't have to mess around with uh, that spotting. So, cause everyone knows when you're looking at something that a thousand yards or 800 yards, um, every little, just, you can tap that scope and it's going to be off you know, 15 yards or whatever it is, but um, right. just having the ability to link it up to the cell phone is, you know, great because you can do all those adjustments, zoom in, hit record everything on the phone and not touch that, uh, that spotting scope at all. That was definitely my favorite. My favorite part about this thing is that, and I didn't even know there was an app until we were talking about yeah. it. And 
to be able to just hook your phone up and and do everything on the phone without touching the system at all yeah it's great record and like he said like my phone i'm always using my phone for different things during the hunt the last thing i want it to be is stuck on my scope yeah and then you know every two years you're getting a new phone you have to buy a new phone adapter yeah to fit the, the yeah the and if you're like me your phone Correct. is barely hanging on so um you know having this unit right here it's just absolutely incredible right. and the fact that it has a screen too um so you can have it set up right on your phone and you're looking at everything right through the screen um thoroughly impressed and another thing too you know i usually carry this spring we carried um three tacticam batteries with us we had the spotter lr with us we had our 5.0s and if something died they all have the exact same batteries so we aren't going to buy three batteries of each or whatever Shut it up. is yeah and and the charging bank you can charge two at once so super super convenient um mm -hmm. now the attachments for these i believe they'll hook up onto pretty much any spotting scope you guys have an adapter for it comes with the spotter lr Yeah, so that that package is going to come with seven sizing shims, and it's going to allow you to adapt it to almost any spotting scope on the market. Now, granted, this thing was in develop a couple of years ago, development a couple of years ago, so there's probably some new models with bigger eyepieces that it may not be compatible with. But by and large, you're going to have a lot of success, even you know if you have a couple of different uh, spotting scope units at home. That this is going to fit most or all of them. Um, you know, does really well in Vortex, does really well in Burris, Sig Sauer. Uh, we tested on a lot of them, um, you know, Swarovski, um, you know, the, it does really well. And of course, the better the glass, the better the image you're going to get. That's, that's true. But we designed these cameras, especially our film through scope system for the rifle scopes, which I imagine we'll touch on here in a minute. You don't have to have $5,000 glass for it to look good. You know, as long as you have some decent, um, you know, average glass, you're going to get a good result with the Tacticam spotter lr and the fts system yeah right on um yeah so the fts system that's one that we filmed uh, my wife actually she shot a bear this spring and she got it with a crossbow so we filmed that kill shot right through the scope and we filmed actually the first bear we ever seen this spring we you know it was on a bit of a, a cut line and we got out there and we filmed it through the scope of the rifle and that was super cool that was my first time ever using that that unit and what i liked again we're in the field but i wanted to see the video i wanted to see how it worked up so i just instantly linked it up to my cell phone and i watched the video right then and immediately shared it to all my buddies and all my friends because i was so thrilled with how this worked out and we seen our first bear right it was like early april and that's always exciting but um yeah super cool unit just explain to me you know how you guys came upon the idea of doing this and uh just the simplicity of it you can explain it a lot better than i can but i had a ton of fun using it of this mount the fts yeah. um so <clears throat> yeah so so we the company was born and raised in uh, Minnesota, right? So it's a lot of tree stand hunting, um, shotgun archery. But then we kept getting a lot of inquiries like, hey, guys, we're out west and we do a little bit of archery. But what do you, what what can you do for the rifle hunters out there? Um, and then, you know, it wasn't too long before the FTS was born. And um, it's a very simple, lightweight design. Um, this right here is a housing. And the cool thing is, is that it uses the same camera 
as your bow or your shotgun. You literally just take it out of your bow stabilizer and put it inside the FTS. Now you can go from bow season to rifle season. Um, and all it is is a simple mount. It's, it's got multiple sizing shins that'll allow you to put it on different scopes. So this one system will, will um, service like all the hunting rifles that I have inside my safe. Um, and the cool thing is, is this camera is actually filming right through your scope. So whatever power your scope is, plus the power of the Tacticam, you can film out to a thousand yards if you want to. And it's very rock solid. I hunt, I hunt in the mountains of Arizona and this thing is not, if you tip it over or something, it's not going to knock out a zero and it doesn't, it doesn't affect your form on the rifle. Right. So it's a great tool. All of these are great tools for like the solo hunters out there that don't have a camera crew following them. Um, things happen fast, bang, bang, you know, that, that bear walks out or that deer walks out, you press that button one time and it's going to start recording. All you do is what you normally do, just aim, fire, and enjoy that footage afterwards. Just like you said, Brody, when you, when you got that kill. Yeah. Yeah. That's super, super cool. And um, yeah, you know, we put it on the 22250 when we were looking for coyotes early on. Um, I had it on my 30 odd six when we were hunting cougars, didn't get one. Um, we put it on the crossbow. And I think we also put it on Amy's rifle later on in the season. We have an option for two bears each. So she was, we were out looking for another one. She didn't get one, but uh, yeah, super versatile. It fit every single gun we we tried to put it on. So I'd imagine 99 or so percent of the, the guys out there who are watching this, it's going to fit your scope. And uh, yeah, super, super simple to use. It's I was, awesome footage. Uh, yeah. Footage through the crosshairs is awesome. It is, it's it fantastic. is. It's actually our TV show. I think it's the second segment of the show as soon as it comes out of the commercial, it goes right to Amy's bear where it's filming through the, the scope. And that's the start of the second segment of, of every episode this season. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So we'll put that whole video awesome. up on uh, our Facebook page the day this podcast is released as well. So check that out guys. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just such a great tool for, um, like I said, we have shooting schools that are, that are starting to use our stuff. Um, the FTS system, the film through scope system is perfect for, especially like if you're getting youth or new hunters into the sport, you can, you can pair it right to your phone or to a tablet and you can watch their crosshairs as they're shooting on a target, you know, so really, it's a really great tool for teaching. Um, also when you're out hunting and you have it on your phone, you can watch your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, you know, actually the moment they take that shot, you can watch it and record it. I mean, nothing beats that. So, you know, the cool factor is way high, the functional factor it's there. So no matter what you, you know, a lot of, some people say, oh, well, why do you need to film? Just because it's awesome. It's awesome. And it provides a service to thereafter. We were talking about functionality. You're in a tree stand and you have one of these cameras on your bow, you know, you question the hit, you take a look at that footage. Should I back out, you know, and come get it in the morning? Or, you know, should I just give it an hour or two and go, and go, um, you know, retrieve, retrieve yeah. that deer. So, you know, the functional factor is really there too. I mean, it's a great tool there, the whole line that we have, and we haven't even talked about this, the cell trail cameras yet, which you guys use up there quite a bit, don't you? Yeah, we, uh, we have a Canadian company that we use theirs and the cellular cameras, you know, they are an absolute game changer. Um, they really helped us big time this spring bear season. Um, but I want to get back to something you said real quick. 
why do you need to film your hunts? Stories are great. I love hearing stories, especially from old timers telling, you know, old hunting stories. I love that stuff. Even better, I like seeing pictures from these guys showing me old photos. But what would be even better than that is video. Mm -hmm. It's yes. showing video, right? The way I look at it, if I can just save a few of these videos for maybe my children's kids to see or, you know, me to just reminisce on and, and look back, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. Stories are great. Pictures are a little bit better, but videos, I think if you have the opportunity to film something, definitely do it. Um, I know my family, my kids sort of grew up into it. I, you know, just started filming when my, my oldest son was about two or three years old. Um, so that was when he started actually coming in the blind with me. And we always filmed that. And he loves it. He pretends he's hunting and filming. And and my youngest now also sort of, you know, growing into I'm sure it. So, he, I'm sure he's watched that clip a thousand times. Hasn't he? They, they sure have, man, without a doubt. They they love that stuff. And my wife, right? She was the one that 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 got that bear through the Tacticam. And um, and yeah, you know, it's it's just so rewarding and it's so special to show people, you know, your achievements and uh and people enjoy seeing that stuff too you know so yeah guys you know something simple like this if you have the chance to slide one of these onto your bow or your rifle and hit record definitely do it um a little easier than hauling the camera around now we got to haul the cameras around to get all those different angles and everything else but we definitely utilize these as well and um yeah, makes things a little bit easier for sure. But the, the cellular trail cameras, an absolute game changer. They work so well that we're starting to see the odd Sater province, you know, starting to say, you know what, let's maybe put some legislation against these. Um, but Alberta, everything's a go. Saskatchewan, you can continue using them. Most parts of Canada, you can still use them. And uh, yeah, absolute game changer. And it really helped us out this bear season because... You know, we ran five or so baits and it let us know when those baits had to be refilled, how many bears we had coming in, what times our, mm -hmm. our bears were coming in at. And, um, you know, for deer too, deer are very skittish. Well, you don't have to go in and that's, cart, right? that's what I was going to get at, right? Every right. time you, you go in to check that trail camera, yes. you leave scent, you might have does in that area and you might spook them. You might have your buck in that area and you might spook them. And Hey, I've done that before. So with these cellular cameras, it gives you the opportunity to keep an eye on everything without having to go in there. You'll only have to go in there when the batteries die. So um, definitely a game changer for sure. But yeah, dive on in to, uh, to what you guys got going on. Well, uh and all those points are perfect. And, and if you think about it, man, um, resources are precious, especially time, right? You guys have, we have family, we have work and everything, and we can't go out and check those cameras, you know, four times a month as much as, or as, you know, as often as we'd like to. Yeah. Uh, so if you're in an area that authorizes cell camera, which in Arizona, we can't use them to hunt. And as a matter of fact, speaking of legislation, they just banned all trail cameras starting January, 2022. Um, which is a different conversation, at, which, um, you know, it's kind of frustrating for so us. So I got a here, quick but, question here. So you can't um, those use are really, them to hunt, but yes. can you use them in the off season or can you use them just to get a, a better idea of the wildlife in the area? Um, 
where is the line crossed? You can't use them in the pursuit of game, I think. Can you tell me if I'm wrong? Yes, yeah, starting – so right now you can't use cellular at all for pursuit of game, but starting January, you can't use any, and that includes the offseason. So if you're – if you want to – in the offseason, you want to go scout a new area, just take inventory of the animals there, but closer to uh, hunting season, you'll pull them. That's going to be unlawful. But if you want to set it up on the bird feeder – or you set it out in the woods and you have no intentions of hunting that area, then that's supposed to be supposedly going to be lawful, which is good. I think it's going to be a very challenging law to um, convict or charge. So why, um, why, it's why all are they based doing on intent, What's the reasoning? Right? Because that's a pretty, pretty, you know, saying no cellular cameras yeah. is one thing, and now saying no trail cameras whatsoever. Um, you know, that's, that's something else, man. Yeah, it seems it seems to me it's like the southwestern states and the western states are, are kind of started leaning towards some of this legislation. And the number one reason I hear is because of water scarcity. So up north, you have these like man-made water tanks, um, limited access. So you you can go to any water tank or any water hole and see like 20 or 30 cameras. Right. So farmers are complaining that it's disturbing the livestock. Biologists are saying that it's disturbing the game. Um, they've had disputes over people who have their game cams out and they kind of feel like they have rights to the waterhole access. You know, it's all public land. Um, there's been thefts. So Game and Fish probably gets a thousand theft reports a year. So to me, I think there's I think there could have been like instead of such a knee jerk reaction, like some minor legislation to maybe remedy some of those issues. Like, for instance, maybe you can't put a cell cam a quarter mile from a water man-made water hole or something, mm -hmm. you know, that way you would like spread out the density of these cameras. Yeah. Um, but no, they went for it. And both of our public comment se sessions, um, the air, the, the Arizona Hunter voted two to one against the commission for the all out ban. But, you know, once they have their mind made up, I mean, there's a lot more to it, you know, within the bureaucracy of it all. But that's why for me, I mean, I don't know how you guys run it up in, in your different provinces or in Canada as a whole, but, you know, there are lobbyists and legislators that'll try to take these rights away in a minute. And it's up to hunters and outdoorsmen and women to stay very involved with these kind of things and make sure your yeah. voice is heard because it's our money that pays that those bills. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we should have a voice in it and, Thankfully, there's a lot of lobbying groups and, and stuff like that out there that work on behalf of hunters and represent our interests and stuff like that. And they do a really good job. So it's scary, though, man. Like you look at BC, for example, they eliminated the grizzly bear hunt. I think it was four years ago now. Yeah, and four or, five, yeah. four or five. And every single outfitter I talk to, and, and almost everyone I know, that lives in rural BC, which is 99% of British Columbia, says there are more grizzly bears than there ever have been. And they knew that that was going to happen. But now that that's happening, the caribou numbers are taking a deep dive. Caribou, caribou have a tough chance at life. Oh, yeah. They have a really, really tough chance. Finicky animal to keep right. good, stable populations. And when you say, hey, no more grizzly bear hunting, and you have a sow having two or three cubs every few years, Man, that is that is not good. But you know what happened is someone wanted to 
wanted to somebody that's never wanted seen to voted a grizzly bear. never seen a grizzly bear outside of the zoo um did a poll in downtown vancouver and the numbers said that hey people don't want grizzly bear hunting so that's what they made happen and it's it's scary because yes. you know all the high density populations are in these you know big urban areas and uh yeah it's it's scary yep. you know and i think the next thing that we're gonna have to really fight for well, which they've already done quite it's an a emotional campaign exactly it's that's it it's a total emotions and um yeah it, it's scary so yeah like you said you know if you can support some sort of campaign or anyone who's on your side do whatever you can because um if we let our guard down yeah i mean petitions away. yeah there, there, there's a lot of ways that there's a lot of ways that we can get involved um just to your point california is a very good example like a decade ago or something, they banned predator hunting. Um, and now if you, if you follow anybody, like any pages in that area or hunting groups and stuff like the coyotes and the mountain lions and everything just literally overrun, they're starting to come into the city. You see them walking along people's like brick back yeah. walls, you know, in Beverly Hills, just um, not exactly, but I mean, that's, that's kind of oh, like the theme sure. that they're I've seen seeing. Photos. And it's because they have an all, all out predator ban. Yeah. So did California, the, did they always the have crazy no black bear season? Arizona. Or did they just open up a new black bear season? Because I thought I seen someone post that it might have been a new area in California. Um, did they cancel out black bear season and then bring it back? Or has it always sort of been a thing there? Black bears, I'm not sure of, but I, I'm almost certain that there's no coyote hunting. Yeah or it's very limited. And I know for a fact that there's no big cat hunting. So Bobcat and mountain lion. And it would, there was a lobbyist years ago that came to Arizona from California and tried to do the same petition. And I remember it was a big to do like on all the local hunting pages and stuff like that. I think probably gohunt.com followed it and stuff. And um, it was scary, like how, how much traction they picked up. Cause just like you said, right they're not getting all these signatures and stuff in the hunting community. They're going around town, talking to people, showing pictures saying, this is what's going on in the hunting community. We need your voice to, you know, to, um, to overturn these kind of barbaric practices and stuff. And we don't not to get too deep into politics about it, but it's like, man. <laughs> well, know, and I was, I hate it, to bring it, it up, but I'm going to bring people, it up. Shortly. People like that in Canada right now is the guns and you know, they're just like, they, was it semi-auto shotguns was the big one yeah. nine months ago that they were bound and determined they were going to totally eliminate anyone with a semi-auto shotgun. You now have a banned weapon and they're going to buy back the guns. Um, there was a semi-auto 22. Um, well, it, was, it was so ridiculous that they, they had a big list of a models big list. of weapons and there yeah. was even airsoft guns on them. On Basically the anything that looked tactical, um, gone because it's an assault right whether it's a little bb gun that looked like a, a tactical whatever but then a um, lot of competitive shooting shotguns because some, yeah, of semi -autos. Was, some of it was based on uh bore diameter bore diameter right? too so that's if right you have right. the chokes in your gun it's it's beyond the the permittable bore diameter yeah so they went hard at this about a year ago and then it sort of died off. You didn't hear anything, but now I'm starting to see things show up and starting to hear things on the radio. And 
man, it's scary. It's really, really scary. But um, yeah, <laughs> we just gotta do what we can. To- well, and you and you and I had it. Yeah, you you and I talked just the other day, and it's something that we don't really advertise a lot. But you know, Tacticam is a company that you know we are for the hunter, by the hunter. We stand by sportsmen and women, um, you know, and we're very involved with, um, you know, advocacy and conservation and hunting rights and preservation and stuff to the point to where we do a lot of fundraising in the U S and in Canada as well. We have chapters up in Canada as well. Um, but you know, in 2019, uh, we raised half a million dollars for the NWTF. That's wow. just one of the conservation organizations that we work with. Um, you pick it, Mule Deer Foundation, Rocky Mountain Elk, uh, NWTF, Quails and Pheasants Forever. Um, there's so too many, too many to list, but they're all part of our preferred fundraising program um, to where we have 800 brand ambassadors throughout the United States that really, it's a grassroots movement to where we work with these local chapters um, to fundraise, educate, you know, youth programs, all kinds of things, um, you know, women in the sports, all, we, we just have so many um, hands in a lot of different pots that really, we hope help preserve everything that we love about the outdoor industry, um, about hunting and everything. And, and it's a challenge, but you know what, we, we support it. You know, we want to be there where the rubber meets the road um, and, and help advocate as much as we can as a company too. So. Well, that's awesome, man. And that's, that's a lot of money and that's, but that is absolutely huge that a company like your guys's can, can do that. Um, and as a whole, as a community, um, that goes a long way and we need that to, you know, be prosperous in the future and have a future of hunting. Um, yeah. Kudos to you guys on that, man. That's awesome. Right. So um, up in Canada, we appreciate you- that. And I want to extend it real yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say before, before we moved on, but yeah, so um, I'll definitely, when you guys go live uh, and post the podcast, you know, we'll put my information down there. So if there's any nonprofit organizations or any fundraising organizations that want to kind of find out more about that program, you know, we'll definitely put either mine or my communication director's information in the show notes or something. Um, we're happy to try to expand and work with you guys and help you meet your fundraising goals. So yeah, that's incredible. Right on. So NWTF, have you done any turkey hunts? Have they got you on some, some, have they brought you on a hunt or have, do you do any turkey hunting yourself? I don't have a bird brain, but I enjoy being in the turkey woods at springtime. Um, the couple times that I've been on a turkey hunt, which was back in Maryland and North Carolina, I think the most majestic thing you can hear in the wild is an elk bugle up close. Yeah. But I tell you, when you're in a hardwoods bottom and you hear a turkey rip like 30 yards behind you, it'll send chills up your spine. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's amazing. So I've not had the opportunity to harvest a turkey, but man, if there's anybody out there that wants to invite me and I got the time, I'll come <laughs> out and sling some arrows. So yeah, I, I enjoy it, man. Um, and and uh, it, turkey is really like we started a lot of our content came from a lot of duck hunters and turkey hunters in the beginning. And some of that viral content that we were putting out was just our users sending in these really cool up close shotgun, you know, blast to the face, turkey 
five uh, tacticam footage and um, it's really exciting stuff. Yeah. So for us, February through May is just a really exciting time. That's cool, man. You know, in Alberta, there is a Turkey season, Yeah, but it's the far Southern Southwestern uh, border or Southwestern part of the province. And it's a draw tag. It takes, I think right around nine or 10 years to draw this tag. I've seen some beautiful turkeys harvested, but there just isn't an abundance of them. Wow. But next year, I think we talked about it, and Troy as well. We're thinking of going to British Columbia. We can go buy an over-the-counter tag there and hunt turkeys. And, you know, a little bit of a different setting. Something I really want to do. Troy, one of our guys from Manitoba, I think you spoke with Troy early on, actually. Um, he does a ton of turkey hunting in Manitoba, and that's his thing. Yeah. He's sort of our uh, our turkey hunting guru he gets us all the turkey footage every year and uh yeah you know something i really want to do i did some some ranch hunts for some ranch turkeys and whatnot and it was fun but i want to do like a real wild turkey hunt um somewhere cool so i'm banking on british columbia next right. year that's what i'm hoping for get him on the hunt troy yeah, yeah. <laughs> um well, the problem with well, you know, it's is funny because they have uh, all of these turkeys, but they won't allow non-residents to hunt them. Yeah. I'm going to Manitoba for a whitetail hunt this year, but I can't go hunt a right. turkey. I can hunt geese. I can hunt waterfowl, but I can't hunt a turkey. They got them locked down there, but hopefully uh, British Columbia. They're crawling everywhere. Too. Troy's, well, Troy's got them on his house and in his yard. Yeah. And... On Troy's property. Yeah. He's right in the middle of just a beautiful chunk of property. He's got a trampoline. He sends me a photo of turkeys on the trampoline, turkeys under the trampoline, turkeys at his front doorstep, and they're all wild turkeys, and they're everywhere. Yeah. Playing with the dogs. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so well, Arizona, we Arizona, a, it's hard to draw. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we don't have a lot of opportunities down here. I mean, if I can kill two turkeys a year just with an over-counter tag – I'd be out there doing it, but you know, even as a resident for Arizona, drawing turkey tags, um, elk tags, it's still tough not to get into the point system because I think you guys run things a little bit different, but some of these Southwestern and Western states, you want a really good quality, like elk hunt or something, you're going to be waiting 10 or 15 years. And that's just the reality of it. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned some viral videos with the Tacticam. That's sort of how you got started with Tacticam, wasn't it? You captured a super cool footage uh, video with your Tacticam early on. Why don't you refresh my mind and tell everyone about that one and how you got started with Tacticam? Yeah, so before I was with Tacticam officially, um, again, I was a late elk hunter. So um, back in 2017, I drew my first archery elk tag in Arizona and I had, I had no knowledge of the company and I was, I was online trying to figure out what camera system I was going to use to document this hunt. And of course the common names come to mind, you know, GoPro, there's a couple of, I think at the time there was a couple other knockoff brands. Um, I can't remember what they were called, but everything, I kept seeing all this content from Tacticam. So I purchased my first 4.0, mounted it to my bow, went out, had a successful hunt, filmed the whole hunt with one Tacticam. Um, and then sent that video. It was, it was so, it was so cool. I was in this bugling, um, you know, back and forth with this bull and I called him in from about 400 yards. He comes down this little ravine 
I get underneath this uh, juniper tree. He walks about 40 yards, stops, looks, and I'm filming him and then walks a couple more steps and he's in plain view and just rips this bugle, like blew my hat off and I'm filming it. And then, so I go back to full draw. He takes a couple more steps out. I give him the business end of the arrow and, you know, kind of follow him as he, as he's running out of frame. And I sent that, I sent that video to Tacticam and then the communications director reached out to me. I was like, man, this is an excellent video. You know, we, we, we love content creators and all this stuff and pro staff. I never heard of such a thing at the time. And so essentially I ended up getting in this grassroots program and here I am now working full time for Tacticam. They actually took me away from a federal federal job so you know i had to be pretty fond of the company and the product so <laughs> yeah no doubt that's incredible you know not typical work, but man that's just how it worked out well we we love non-typical stuff that's what we're all about and you know you but yeah you know using a product <laughs> and enjoying it and and then it just falls into place and next thing you know you know you're you're working in an industry and with a product that you totally believe in and um that just speaks to the practicality of the camera and stuff, exactly right? exactly so yeah Eric, no appreciate that to what like, your game plan love is my here. job love my love my team go 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 <laughs> no i just i mean to your point just yeah. it's 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 just a company and a brand that that i think myself and and your average uh you know fans out there can get behind um you know, it was born in a garage. I, I, when I was at the last Christmas uh, party, I was talking to the CEO and the co and his co-partner, Jeff and Ben. And they're like, yeah, when we got our start, we were packed, we would have family and friends over and we were packaging these cameras that we were building in the garage, like in our front room. And they were loading up the van and driving across state lines, just talking about this new product so i mean it was really organic the way this company came about and here we are you know um years later and we're 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 the leader in our industry not to say that very boastful but we're very proud of you know what we bring to the table well and it didn't take long like it hasn't quite been a decade yet has it not yet just shy but yeah it's i mean we you know, definitely the wheels have been turning fast. And I think one of the reasons for that is because we didn't set on product, um, you know, standards. We always were listening to the customer, the consumer, and just finding out ways we could push the envelope and make things better. Um, you know, this, this right here, our 5.0 camera has been our flagship camera since like 2018. We didn't find a need to like re-engineer everything every year, right? And nope. make the consumer buy something new, new components, new accessories. Um, so just on those merits alone, I think that's helped us really, you know, propel into where to where we are right now in our space. And that's huge. It sort of frustrates me when some companies come up with a new thing every single year and just a minor adjustment. You know, right. I'd almost rather them just put all their eggs into one basket and spend a couple of years to just engineer an incredible product that will hold itself for a few years, you know, um, it helps the consumer big time too, because you don't have to invest in something every year to have a top of the line product. But like you said, this came out a few years ago and it still is the top of the line product. Um, yeah, incredible. 
4K, that's one thing that I really like. We film all of our stuff yeah, in 4K. Well, geez, the fact geez. that we're recording in 4K with this little thing was uh, impressive. It helps. Teaser alert, guys. I mean, we're still pushing the envelope. We got some really exciting things that are going to be announced, you know, later, either later on this year or early 2022. We got a couple new lines that are that are planned to come out um, next summer um, for the next hunt. So um, stay tuned. You know, you guys find us at tacticam.com. We got a we got a very robust Facebook and social media presence, Instagram. Um, as much content as you can consume. If you guys are running Tacticam products and you, you want to share a video, we have a portal where you can submit that stuff and we love to put fan footage up. So, yeah. Yeah, we've got a lot of we friends like, we like to have Tacticam a finger, too. You know, and, uh, you know, they some of them have YouTube channels and, and Instagram. And uh, it's amazing to see how many people now are using these products. Well, it's so easy. Yeah. It's right? simple. Yeah. So, um... You got elk is your first hunt kicking off. I've got, uh, I'm sitting in my tree stand for opening day. Then I have a wedding and then I'm jumping into elk as well. You are chasing sheep and you're going to head into the mountains in a few days, I think. Eh? Yeah, we're going in. So I think the 23rd is maybe the Monday. We're going to try and go in Sunday. You know, we've got to travel a couple hours to get there, get set up, taking four horses. So that's a lot of extra work and gear, but. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's sheep, right? So you never yeah. know what, what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I'm, I look forward to seeing some sheep footage with a tactic so, MLR. Oh, and I'll have some. I'm for sure. Like, even, yeah. you know, Me too. we always see goats and we always yes. see ewes and we always see bears. So if there's no big ram, at least there'll be all the rest of everything. Well, in the last sheep episode that we released of yours was online. And I think we released that one on the hunt channel about three or four years ago. And in that hunt, you've seen over a hundred sheep yeah, and almost a dozen. I think you've seen 10 or 11 mountain goats, 13, I believe. And if yeah. you would have had this, you would have had some incredible footage. So I look really forward to footage, seeing what yeah. you come up with. Yeah. I'm excited. It's gonna and be hopefully uh, some big sheep horns in the backpack as well. Sure. <laughs> So are you using the rifle or bow or what's your good luck? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Just not going to chance it, you know? Yeah, no, it sounds like your fans are in uh, store for some really good footage. Well, I think that was one of our most viewed episodes on YouTube. We don't have any new stuff on YouTube. We actually had to wait for um, the sportsman channel to release our stuff. They had a time frame. They hold it. And so it's going to start going up on YouTube. Um, I believe this fall, everything from our last season will be on YouTube. And then our new season, which is airing right now, it will be on YouTube in the new year. So we're going to have a ton of content going up there. Um, but yeah, as per all that other stuff, I think that sheep hunt was one of our most viewed episodes. Guys just love watching sheep and sheep yeah. hunts, just seeing the different views and I think some guys sort of try and cherry pick where you are as well. There's a lot of cherry picking. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of cherry picking. But a lot of it too is uh, just, you know, looking for a new trick or seeing somebody with a different piece of gear. Like a lot of everybody's, the sheep hunting world is so... Hardcore. It's crazy. <laughs> it's it's so concentrated and so... Guys are so focused on shedding ounces and... And doing something that's going to make their life a little bit easier, bringing something that's going to make their life a little bit easier. And so, like, I know myself, 
I'm all summer long. I'm watching sheep hunting videos just to try and like pick up something. Okay. Yeah. You know, so there's one not, of them. <laughs> there, well, there's not that many Alberta sheep hunts and I'm not, you know, I know a few guys that will watch an Alberta sheep hunt and go on Google earth and try and figure really? out. The angle. Eh? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. But for me, it's more like, well, you know, let's see a guy use this kind of tent or let's see what he uses for a cook system. Let's see the tactics of the sheep they're chasing in the spot they're chasing it. And I'm just doing my homework. So you're taking horses in. Um, are they pack horses or are you riding the horses in? We're packing four horses. Okay. Yeah. So we're walking, but we're not carrying much, you know, like I'm going to carry all my cameras just because I, I don't trust horses with optics. Um, my spotting scope and, uh, you know, like a day's worth of food, everything right. else is going on the horses. Wow. That's awesome. That's exciting, man. So instead of, you know, the average 60 to 70 pounds, I hope you have a great nine or 10 day hunt, uh, probably packing 15 pounds, you know, and the horses are yeah. taking the rest. So we're hoping we can really motor. Wow. And, uh, I don't know if you said, but how far do you have to go or how far are you guys hiking? Um, well, we got a few like target hunting spots picked out, like some, some nice ranges or some, some bigger bowls that we might have a few days worth of hunting in. Okay. Um, we're going to try and get at least 20 clicks in um, on the first day and then hopefully another. So the plan is to like get down there, boot down there whenever we can, hopefully drive in the daylight, camp at the trailhead and then get up early in the morning and try and beat that, that rush on the 23rd. That seems to be when most guys go in, right? Then you get a day to get in there, you got another day to look for sheep. And if you're really lucky, you pop one opening morning and yeah. you're, you're gone, right? Yeah. Um, so we're just, we're going to try and motor. We're not going to walk past any sheep. Um, but we're just going to try and get as far away from everybody else we can. And then we got eight, eight days. So, yeah. you know, one and a half in maybe one full day out, two days in, you know, a day and a half out. Yeah. That kind of thing. So you got a bit of time. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And Rudy, what is your, your elk hunt? What does your elk Good hunt luck. look like? You know, where I think you're hunting them in your home state. You said, um, what tactics are you using? What is it looking like? I'm heading up to Utah this year. Oh, Utah. Okay. Um, so it's going to be archery up. Yep. Up in the Wasatch mountain, Wasatch mountain ranges. Um, I haven't been there before, but the last two years I've, I've hunted out of state in the Colorado over the counter, which are, which are kind of considered tough hunts because there's so many tags, so many people. Um, but I can tell you that the tactics that I use when I'm archery hunting, um, there's a lot of different disciplines out there, but man, I, I like to get out there. I like to work different elevations, um, work benches and parks and stuff. And, um, really I try to be very proficient with bugling and cow calling. I think those are great tools to have your disposal, but I definitely don't overuse those. Um, I really want to spend a day or two getting a sense of like what the elk are doing, where they're moving, where they're hitting, where they're bedding, where they're feeding, where they're um, watering. Um, and then once I'm, once I'm kind of confident um, what, what they're, what these different little herds are doing, then I, I, I'll definitely uh, work in like bugling and um, work sets like, um, you know, breeding sequences and stuff. It, it all depends. Um, depends on where I'm hunting. I know that in Arizona, the year I, in 2017, it was just a great year, great moon, great, uh, moisture. And the bulls were just on fire screaming everywhere. So we had a great year. And then the next two years in Colorado bulls were quiet, man. It was like 75, 78 degrees in September, right around 11, 12,000 feet. 
So I was like, man, this is warm. The bulls were quiet, but it wasn't without opportunity. Um, just like you guys are saying, you know, we, we didn't, I didn't go 10 miles in. Um, I feel like in some cases you don't have to do that. Um, but we, but I definitely relied on my boots to get me into the elk and that's half the battle. Yeah, for sure. So you said early on, you're going to get an idea of what the elk are doing. Um, are you going to find some elevation and do some glassing? Can you do that in your area? Do you have the visibility to do that? Or are you just going into these areas, boots on the ground, figuring out where they're bedding, where they're moving, um, and just, you know, finding sign basically how, like, how are you uh, figuring out what they're doing, um, early on? Yep. So, um, so the archery elk hunts that I've been on, you, I mean, you can use glass to your advantage. Um, it worked out well, it works out well in Arizona. Um, it worked out well in Colorado to be determined in Utah. Um, I know that I had a New Mexico rifle tag last October. Um, and I really thought that I was going to be able to get up high and glass down, but this yeah. mountain network that I was in, it was so thick my rifle hunt ended up turning into almost like a spot and stock archery hunt. You know, I'm, I'm working, I'm side hilling and working these, um, you know, uh, saddles and stuff like that. And really a long shot would have been like 125 yards. Um, so, I mean, it all depends. It, it, it's all it, the terrain dictates, um, you know, how, how I'm going to hunt. Um, but most of the time I, I just get out there um, and I do call, I call a fair bit. Um, I called that one bull in in 2017 and then fast forward to 2018. I helped my, uh, a buddy of mine on his first archery elk hunt, um, called a bull into eight yards, got that on video. Wow. Maybe I'll send it to you guys later. Um, so, I mean, calling is very effective uh, to me. I don't, I don't have one method. I'm not a running gun type of guy. I'm not a let, let the situation develop. Like I kind of, I, every, I feel like every situation deserves its own you know, you have to make a game plan for that. And, um, and that's why I really love like hunting different States, right. And learning these new places and places people say, well, there's too many hunters out there. It's impossible, man. I've been on elk. I've been on elk. I've bumped elk. I've called elk. Um, you know, and I've had the opportunity to where they were within 50 yards and it's like the, the situation just didn't develop to where I can get drawn and, and get a good beat on them. Um, but I mean, though, I feel like, failure is mandatory in this business. And, and if you yeah. think about it, it's never really a failure because you always come away with either good insight, good Intel, or, you know, good memory. But um, yeah, man, you, I mean, there's no, you can't learn how to hunt these things from the, from the couch. So we were talking about points just a minute ago. And it's like some of these guys in some of these Western States are waiting five, 10, 15 years to draw that once in a lifetime tag. And when I talk to these people, I'm like, well, what are you doing in the meantime? Well, what do you mean? Like, are you, are you taking advantage of some of these out of state opportunities? Are you tagging along with some of your buddies that are going out? Are you lucky enough to draw? So essentially you're going to put all your eggs in one basket for one hunt and then try to figure it out at that time. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no substitute for having those boots on the ground and gaining that experience. I don't care if you've been doing it for 40 years or 10 years, you know, it, it's our craft is perishable and you've got to be out there as much as you can and consuming as much good content and information as you can just just to stay effective. Yeah, without a doubt. So it's obvious you're crazy about elk. Um, 
do you have any other plans? Are you, do you have time for any deer or, uh, or is it just elk straight ahead? Yeah. So we have, we have mule deer in Arizona. Uh, my wife and I drew mule deer tags this year, uh, rifle. So that's the first time I'll be hunting mule deer with a rifle. And then we also have that subspecies of whitetail called coos deer, yes, you know, just right. a smaller bodied, smaller antler deer, mm -hmm. isolated by isolated by um, like geography. Um, and then their genes change a little bit. There's a whole lot to it. But um, so those, those things are hard to hunt, but they're fun to hunt. So I have two partners um, of Tacticam that are coming down to hunt this year that I'll be helping um, get on coos deer and stuff. So they're there every year. I'm always chasing deer, whether it be my own tag or with friends or family, probably three months out of the year at least yeah, for, so from October to December, actually October to January, because our rut is the whitetail in Arizona. Don't start peak rut until like early mid January. So it's very late. Our season goes till January 31st archery. Yeah. Interesting. So, and so what's where, where a lot of people are done hunting. Yeah. So what's it like? Yeah. When, when a lot of states January are done hunting for whitetail. Do you guys it, get much it's, snow it's or is it, Arizona, is it cold it's at all there? The <laughs> yeah. So down where, like in the, in the Phoenix, Tucson and Southeastern Arizona, where I'm at, you know, it's mild. It's, you know, gets down to the twenties, thirties, mild snow, um, up North, like Flagstaff in them states or them areas. Um, shoot. They've in just a couple of years ago, they had like record snow. I think they got like 20 feet of snow that year. And actually, matter of fact, two years ago, the whole hunt, the whole elk hunt in the late season got called off because most of those state parks and, and, uh, you know, uh, BLM land was actually closed off just because it was such bad conditions. Um, so Northern Arizona gets a, a lot of snow. It's very cold. Yeah. And you think about if people think of Arizona and they think barrel cactus, saguaros, Gila monsters. Um, but we got it all, man. We got like, we got like sandy deserts all the way to, you know, 12,000 feet, you know, elevation pine forest and stuff. So it's a really That's cool, incredible. Cool so do you find thing is in that the animals December and January that the deer in the warmer areas rut at a different time than the deer that are far farther north where they are getting that snow and it is colder or is it is it pretty pretty uh, similar? Yeah, so I don't hunt deer a lot up north. I hunt elk up north. Um, but I, I got a feeling, you know, it probably has a little bit less to do with the elements and more to do with the photo, you know, the time of day, the time of light. Um, so it, it's hard to say. Um, but I know that, I know that, um, you know, they're really, we, we even hunt them, <clears throat> sorry, in the, um, in our season opens up in August. And it's one of the weirdest things to where it's 110 degrees and you still, you know, you're out there hunting, hunting deer, you know, it's, it's just a surreal time to be out with a bow, but it's a very exciting time. I mean, that time, that's the kind of time where they're still, they're hitting like a lot of the greens and, um, hunting water is very effective. Um, so we, we have a lot of hunt opportunities. The only thing is there's no doe. You can't harvest any doe in Arizona and you only get one deer a year. So guys try to make, definitely make the most of it, you know? So can you get a whitetail and a coos deer or one, only one in total? 
or can you get a mule deer and a whitetail and a coos or can you get just one deer so so a coos is a whitetail so they're, okay. they're the same but you you can only do one or the other okay. you're only allowed one deer a year whether it's mule deer or or uh yeah interesting interesting, so you do interesting place man if you ever have the opportunity you do a fair amount of out-of-state hunting. Were you affected by the, the COVID? Like, I know a lot of states shut down the non-resident tags completely in the last couple of years. Even, I think some of them even did it this year, too. Does that affect where you usually go? No, Arizona stayed pretty, pretty normal for hunting protocols, people coming to and from. I know that in uh, New Mexico, when I had my October hunt last year, they said that you either had to have a negative test before you came into the state or you had a quarantine in, in place for 10 days. So I ended up getting my test and had my, had my papers with me. Um, but you know, when you're out there in the woods, probably nobody gonna go, nobody yeah. gonna check you, but, um, it didn't affect me too much. Now there was a lot of States that, that did shut down quite heavily. Um, and you know, other industries like the safari industries abroad and um, some states that really had heavy lockdowns, they saw, I think it affected their um, economies. But we were talking just the other day, um, I, I talked to some park rangers and some game and fish guys and they're like in, in various states and they're like, we've had record hunting licenses, record fishing licenses, this was 2020 um record like state parks you know um, running out spots and stuff like that so by and large i think the industry did really well because people couldn't do anything but maybe go outdoorsing or hunting or fishing and stuff which is great for the industry you know yeah i think it was like that pretty much everywhere we noticed that in alberta here too um, hunting numbers were way way up um this year they were up but they weren't quite as crazy as it was last year you know i think last year it started here in alberta and canada at least right around april or may is when we started to see the, the shutdowns um and that was bear season basically so everyone took advantage of that and a lot of new bear hunters out um and then that followed right into the fall season and it was uh, a busy busy time i know you seen record numbers of oh, vehicles and parking lots and yeah, hike trailheads, and trails trailheads in the mountains were on opening day were right. just absolutely you there was nowhere to park there was literally nowhere to park like lined up on the yeah. road trailers horse trailers quad trailers trucks it was just crazy what we're noticing here in alberta at least right now oil is starting to get back up where not where it was where it used to be but uh it's starting to to become a little more money which, you know, is good. And so more people are starting right. to go back to work. They're taking advantage of this. You know, a lot of guys have been off for a year. So I think we're going to start, things are starting to go back to normal around here. Um, so I think this fall, I don't think it's going to be insane like last fall, but um, so it might be, might be a bit of a relief. It might even be less than the year prior because that's what I'm thinking. guys got debt to pay, right? <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> right that's right yep now man really excited to be working with you guys uh really appreciate the community taking us in um you know we're really excited to see what you guys do this year i'll have to get you over that clip of that first bull i killed yeah i'll send i'll send that i want to see it email 
Can we uh, post it up when we I post actually, this video? I actually owe you. Please, yeah. Yeah, I'll get it over to you. And then uh, I owe you guys, I owe you a remote and I need some, I need some non-typical nation apparel. We'll be sending some your way. Yeah, right away. Hey, I've got a question too. Um, attachments, you have that Perfect. shoulder attachment on your, on your backpack, your chair. You've got that one on your bow. Um, can guys buy these at the retailers or can they buy them on your webpage or where does guy, where do guys get attachments? The same place they buy the Tacticam or are they something universal you can find on Amazon or how does it work? I see so that one on your phone. I like it because I don't have one like that. <laughs> yes. So we design all our own mounts. Um, you know, like this one right here is our stabilizer mount. Yeah. This is an extension bar that I picked up from Total uh, Titanium Archery products, but this this goes right into your riser. Um, this one right here is really cool. We have a universal know. ring mount that works with any action style base. Oh, okay. Right? So they're universal that way. Um, but yeah, so so guys guys can find us at Cabela's, Bass Pro. Um, we work with mom pop retailers all over the United States and in Canada. I think we're um, in Canadian Tire. There's a few others. Um, but you can you can get them right online, Amazon. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff out there and different ways to attach to your shotgun, your barrel, your scope, your crossbow, your the shoulder mount, fishing mounts, um, those those power poles that guys run on yeah. like bass boats and stuff. Um, you know, we're we're totally compatible with that. Um, so there there there's so many ways that you can use these, and that's what we wanted it to be universal. So there's you know. It'll, it, one camera to rule them all is kind of what we joke around at the office. So, Fantastic, man. Well, thanks for coming on, Rudy. You know, I learned a bit. I hope our viewers learned a bit. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it big time, man. So if you're watching this right now on Facebook, guys, or if you're listening to it on Spotify or iTunes, wherever, check out our Facebook page. We've uploaded uh, the two Tacticam videos. So check those out. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Rudy. And thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate it big time. Get yourself a tactical. We appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Today's podcast is brought to you by Smith Game Calls. Go to smithgamecalls.ca and check out their wide variety of game calls, all handmade right here in Alberta. This spring, I've set a goal to kill a bear and call one in with a diaphragm call by Smith Game Calls. So that's my game plan. I'm going to get one of their Predator diaphragm calls. Um, I've practiced quite a bit already with a few different ones and see if we can call a Baron and take one down with uh, with a rifle. It's going to be a lot of fun. going to film it all with the Tacticam. So yeah, stay tuned. And as per you guys, check out smithgamecalls.ca and use promo code NONTYPICAL for 15% off each and every call on their webpage. Cheers. This podcast is brought to you by Tacticam. Right here in my hands, I got the Tacticam 5.0 Ultra HD sporting camera. This thing is eight times zoom, Ultra HD. It shoots in 4K, 2.7K, and of course, 1080p. Um, it's got fantastic image stabilization, Wi Fi hookup to your phone, customizable uh, button pressing, and of course, it's weatherproof, waterproof, all that good stuff. Go to tacticam.com for all your self-filming, share your hunt needs. T-Rex Knives, local and handcrafted knives built right here in Alberta, Canada. 
Our hunting knives, fillet knives, and kitchen knives here at the T-Rack shop are custom built for each individual. We take great pride in our craftsmanship and produce an outstanding product made from high quality steel and finished with your choice from a large selection of handle material. Find us at Tracks Knives on Instagram and Facebook, on the web at www.trackknives.com, or contact Joe at 780-831-5273 or email tracksknives at gmail.com to place your custom order from the T-Rack shop. You will not be disappointed. This non-typical nation podcast is brought to you by Old Smokes Coffee, crafted coffee for the courageous. And that, folks, is the man, the myth, the legend, Tim Sanford with Old Smokes Coffee. Remember, use promo code non-typical at oldsmokescoffee.com.